this morning. And Lord, I do believe if you can use a donkey to talk, you can use things in my life to get my attention. So help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is an interesting picture that we find beginning with verse 12 and moving down. It's almost like he is referring to these are the wages of being lied to. This is payday for being deceived. As a matter of fact, when you look at this verse, the Bible says it's like a natural brute beast that's made to be caught and destroyed. And then the last part of verse 12 says, and will utterly perish in their own corruption. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about a wage. You know, we all like, we all like a payday, right? Do you realize this morning that the payday for our sin is death? That's why we go to a cemetery. That's why we go to a funeral home, because of sin. God created you, a man, to live forever. He put Adam and Eve in the perfect environment. So that should tell us that even in the most perfect environment, we can be deceived. Some people say, if I would have walked when Jesus walked, if I would have lived when Jesus lived, I certainly would have believed. Don't mark that down automatically because there were many who did and did not believe in Jesus. The Bible speaks a lot about wages. And when you look at verses 12 and 13, look at verse 13, and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who counted a pleasure to do their own thing. Now, we know the very familiar verse in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wage of sin is death. And I'm glad that that's not all of the verse, aren't you? But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. But also the Bible says in the same book, Romans 4, verse 4, now to him who works, his wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Paul recognized and he battled the constant thinking that somehow our works get us to heaven. And he reminds us in Romans chapter 4 that the wages that are not counted as grace but as counted as debt, grace plus anything is not grace. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Well, I believe I'm saved by grace, but if I don't do these things daily... I'm not going to heaven. Folks, listen to me. You didn't do anything to get yourself saved. Now, don't get me wrong. Baptists are mislabeled all the time saying, well, you Baptists think that once saved, always saved. Yeah, I do believe in once saved, always saved. But the mentality of a born-again Christian isn't get saved and live however you want. It's get saved and surrender to Jesus Christ as your Lord. And the Bible says take up your cross daily. Meaning that tomorrow morning when you wake up, Luke, you can't live on today, I was at church worshiping the Lord. You've got to choose to make good decisions tomorrow. You've got to choose to be obedient tomorrow. You've got to choose to pray tomorrow. You've got to choose to open the Word of God tomorrow. One of the blessings Renee and I have had over the past few years with her mom is we get her mom the subscription to her hometown newspaper. It's a big one. Some of you are familiar with it. You might see it at your most popular stands, the La Follette Press. And Dorothy gets that paper, and she just saturates it, Stephanie. She goes through it, and she'll read things, and 
and she'll see a name that she might recognize, and, and uh, it's just part of her life, staying connected to where she is from. I, I think we're going to continue to get it. You might hear me quote from the La Follette Press from time to time. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I'm saying that there is a connection to Christ that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, it's a lifetime, it's, it's a lifestyle, it's a decision that has marked you, it's a decision that's changed you. Listen, don't you feel like when you mess up that somehow you lose what God gave you? As a Christian, everybody look at me. As a Christian, there will be times when you mess up. We've all messed up this week. Like the lady that was getting her husband up for the 8.30 service, he said, I'm not going to church. She said, get up. Your clothes are out. Get up. Get ready. We're going. He goes, I'm not going. I mean, he just sold up. She said, you give me absolutely one reason why you don't want to go. And he goes, well, I can't. You give me one reason why I should get up and go. She said, because you're the pastor. You've got to preach. <laughs> Folks, let me tell you something. We'll trip from time to time. We'll say things we shouldn't have said. Why did I say that? And I believe the best response to that is just immediately the one you said it to saying, Anita, I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said it that way. You know, tone says a lot about people. Do you know that? I mean, tone, tone will scare you. Uh, going through some of Dorothy's things, uh, just trying to make sense of some things, the kids found this doll in the closet that looked like the Chucky doll. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It was creepy. I'm telling you, there are things in the closet, there are things in the closets that we haven't looked at in a long time or, or addressed in a long time, and they're still there. They're still there. And the Bible says that the false teachers were just pouring it on and will utterly perish in their own corruption. You know, the Bible also says in Galatians chapter 6, now in the book of Galatians, Paul was wrestling the mentality uh, with the Jew that unless you're circumcised, you're not saved. And Paul's like, we're not saved by an outward sign. We're saved when our hearts are circumcised, when our hearts are changed by Jesus, but you know that same book of Galatians chapter 6 says this, he who sows to the flesh of the flesh will reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let, not, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know what he's saying? You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Now, do you all realize it's supposed to get to about 50 degrees today? Do you all realize that this morning it was 20? How are we all not coughing and, 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 and whooping it up this morning? And you know what? This week as it got warm, I went outside, Bob, and I, I, I could smell spring. Now, don't judge me. I could. I could smell spring. And I began to think about what? My 2022 garden. I even had bigger dreams. I began to think about the 2022 Preble County Fair 
entering my produce. Meaning that this could be the year for Brother Greg. And then I began to think about the Preble County Fair, and it's almost like I see a ribbon on all the produce. Like everybody's a winner. Like everybody's a winner. I, I begin to think about this garden. Folks, you don't reap if you don't sow anything. Don't tell me what a great gardener you are if you never plant a flower, if you never plant a, a, a tomato plant. Don't tell me what a great fisherman you are if you never fish. And the good news is, as the Bible says, we reap what we sow, he's reminding us that there is a price to pay when you sow false teaching. Now, there's a picture of it. Look at verse 14. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, they have a heart trained with covetous practices and are accursed children. Now listen, there are some things you can't change yourself. The Bible here says their eyes were full of adultery. The Bible says they couldn't cease from sin. Do you realize that there are some things in your life that you could get over if you were willing to give it to Jesus, but you've never surrendered it to Jesus? I mean, if prayer is as powerful as a willing God is, there's nothing that God could not help you with. I'm not saying it's easy. You know, the big question for, Renee, for us has been, Renee was here in the early and she, she left quickly. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? And we appreciate all that. But the truth is, God is the one who gets anybody through anything. 93 years old, man, heaven is in view. Heaven is for real. And, and when you realize things were not going to go back any better, thank God for people like hospice workers. Thank God for hope that's built on truth. Truth. And we're living in a world that says you're successful if you make a bunch of money. Well, I've, I believe there's a bunch of unhappy people who make a bunch of money and we watch them on television every day. Or we watch them in a ball game somewhere. When Major League Baseball wants to hold out because of the money issue, you lose fans. You lose, you lose, you lose uh, favor because you begin to appear entitled. Folks, I'm telling you, if Paul says you reap what you sow, false teaching will reap what it sows. Now, I want to say this in love and with all respect. You be very careful who you champion as one of your hero preachers. What do you mean? If they're not preaching the truth, that every day is a great day, there's no struggle in the life of a Christian, everybody's going to be financially secure, that's not Bible. 
Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but behold, I have overcome the world. I'm not saying those guys aren't great men and great communicators. What I'm telling you is they're preaching a little bit different gospel than Peter's writing about. And I believe we see that. You see, false teachers see differently. They think they can change things. And they're trained to deny. That's the first thing in your outline if you want to jot down a few notes. They see differently. They think they can change things. And they're trained to deny the truth. Now, in this passage, look at how Peter describes them in verse 15. For they have forsaken the right way. The right way. You know, the Bible says there appears to be a way for man that is right, but the Lord is the one who directs the path. He is the one who leads. He says they've forsaken the right way, verse 15, following the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. They've gone astray, and they followed the way of Balaam. Now, isn't it interesting that at this point, Peter injects Balaam into the passage. I want you to turn, if you will, to the Old Testament of Numbers chapter 22. If you're with me so far, say amen. The children of Israel were on the move. The people of Moab were threatened. They were scared. And the Bible says in verse 1, chapter 22, if you're with me, say amen. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from the Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. They recognized that God was on the move. They recognized that God had an army that was in a victory route. And the Bible says they were exceedingly afraid. Verse 4, so Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as ox licks up grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Baor. Now, commentators are all over the place on Balaam. I mean, some say that Balaam was a Christian prophet, and there will be another one that says, well, wait a minute, this text kind of lays it out for you, the faith of Balaam. But I would dare say this morning that for most of us, when you hear the word of Balaam, you think of donkeys rather than Balaam. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you believe that donkeys talk? Okay, here we go. Look at the end of verse 5. Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. You know who that sounds like? That sounds just like a Christian living in a neighborhood. Listen to me. Well, we've had lost people move in next to us. I can't believe that. Can you believe who our neighbors are? They don't go to church. 
Could it be that God has brought somebody that doesn't know him close to you for you to share? And instead of thinking that somehow an inconvenience, could it be that God's saying, hey, I'm placing them here because they need to hear what I did in your life. You know, after being in Dayton for a few days, praise the Lord for Preble County. I like it. I like the slow pace. I, I like the slow pace of where we live. I like the fact that in public you might know somebody. I like the fact that when we lose somebody in our church, all of us hurt. I like the fact when we see people saved, we might know who it is. But here we are. The problem is the Moabites and Balak are saying, they moved in right beside us. Okay, let's keep going. So therefore, therefore, please come at once and curse this people for me. They're too mighty for me. Perhaps I should be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you blessed is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with a diviner's fee. Here's the second point in your outline. Balaam was a prophet for hire. Talking about diviner's fee. And they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back a word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princess of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, Where are the men with you? And he said, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me, saying, and he tells him the story. They see the people from Egypt. They cover their face. Verse 11, come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. Verse 12, and God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. So he arose, took back word, and they sweetened the pot. Verse 16 says, please let nothing hinder you. Let nothing hinder you. Please come. Curse this people for me. Verse 18, then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the words of the Lord my God to do less or more. You would think that's the end of the lesson. That's the end of the story. He was a prophet for hire, refuses to do what they ask based on the word of God, and they continue to sweeten the pot. Number three, God's favor cannot be bought. You cannot buy peace, love, and joy. You can't buy happiness. You can't buy contentment. You might be here today, and, and, and this is your thing. Once I get out of college... I'll finally be able to be done with this and be happy. I'm telling you, the answer is not on a piece of paper that will hang on your wall. It's in a relationship with a loving God who loves you more than anything. Amen? I love that. I love that. 
They tell the story. You would think that it's the end of the story. God has spoken. But if you look down at verse 22, the Bible says, then God's anger was aroused because he went. Now, something happens here that's kind of hard to explain as your preacher this morning. Let's, let's look at verse 19. Now, therefore, please, okay, this is Balaam. You also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Okay, God has already made it clear to Balaam what he needs to do. Verse 20, and God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Now, okay, God, are you, are you pleased now? Verse 22, then God's anger was aroused because he went. Now, when you look back, I believe God's anger was aroused because Balaam is asking for more than God. Tell me something else. Give me an answer that I like. Give me the answer to a prayer, Lord, that will make, make everybody happy. And God says, go. Go. And little did we know at this point, if Scripture were to stop, why God said go. I want to ask you a question this morning. Everybody look at me. Do you believe donkeys can talk? Hang on. Hang on. This even gets more awesome. So here we go. So he arose in verse 21. God's anger was aroused in 22, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him, and he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back into the road. Write down a one in your Bible and circle it up there. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. How many of you believe donkeys can talk? Then the angel of the Lord, 26, went further, stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either right or left, and when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I'm saying that the donkey must see something Balaam doesn't. Verse 28. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. How many of you believe donkeys can talk? And she said to Balaam, what have I done for you that you have struck me three times? Now, Balaam at this point has to be aggravated, a little confused. I would say at this point, he thinks he's going crazy. 
Could you imagine him looking around? Who said that? Who said that? You know, it doesn't say in Scripture that the donkey's lips moved. But yet, God is speaking to Balaam through the donkey. Verse 29, Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me, because you have abused me, I wish that there was a sword in my hand, for now I'd kill you. Now, I believe Balaam is thinking he is crazy because now he's talking to the donkey. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? He said, no. You know what I believe the donkey's reminding us of? That God is always faithful. Have I not always been there for you? Haven't I always been there faithfully for you? Isn't it interesting that in Scripture, God, God uses this lowly animal in great ways? Boy, if the donkey could talk coming into Jerusalem, as Jesus comes in for, for that period before the cross, boy, if donkeys could talk then, I believe that donkey would say, I'm, 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 I'm chauffeuring the Savior. He says, haven't I been faithful? Verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head and he fell flat on his face. Number four in your outline, don't miss Jesus when he is right in front of you. you say, really, Greg, how do I know that? How do I know when God's dealing with my heart? Listen, I don't have to tell you how to interpret the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in power. When you sense God drawing, when you sense God convicting, when you sense there is something going on in your spirit, I'm telling you, that's the Holy Spirit of God speaking. You know, we'll get together on a Wednesday night and say, will somebody have a word of testimony? And you're thinking, I'm scared to share. How, how, how would I even know that God would want me to share? And you're sitting there and your heart's on fire. That's the Holy Spirit of God saying, give, give a good word to people. Don't be ashamed of what I've done in your life. Listen, don't miss Jesus when he is right in front of you. Now, here was the problem with the false teachers. They were missing Jesus. Now, God used the donkey to get Balaam's attention. If you jump down just a little bit, in verse 36, when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the city, which is in the border of, of Arnon, the boundary of the territory. Balak said to Balaam, did I not earnestly send for you, calling for you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? And he says, I have come to you. I haven't, uh, now I have any power at all to say anything. The word that God speaks in my mouth, that's what I'm going to speak. And I think, Balaam's, uh, I, I think that Balaam's reminding us that uh, God's enough. You don't have to add to him. You don't have to dress him up to make him attractive to the world in which we live. The Bible says 
when Jesus was beaten, he was beaten beyond recognition. Don't miss Jesus when he's right in front of you. Let's go back and close in 2 Peter chapter 2. Remember how we got into Numbers 22? Verse 16, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. Verse 17, these are wells without water. Clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Wells without water. Clouds carried by a tempest. What's he talking about? False teaching. False teaching. Number five, false teaching comes up empty. It always does. It always does. You know, years ago when I was a boy, uh, Lawrence Moore, many of you know that name. Lawrence was my pastor at Northridge Baptist Church, and that's Terry's dad. And we had Bible school, and uh, you can say all you want about gimmicks, but they had a, a promotion that if you brought somebody to Bible school, you could go fishing in the baptistry. Well, what, what little boy would not want to do that, right? So what did that mean? It meant at the end of the night in Bible school, they gave you a cane pole, you flipped it into the baptistry, and little did I know at that time, but there was a person behind there, and they would clip some kind of little trinkety gift onto that line, and up you reeled or up you pulled, and there it was. There it was. I rem you're, you're saying, Brother Greg, that's just corny. I'm telling you, as a boy, that was fascinating because you know what it wanted me to do? It wanted me to bring a friend every night. And everybody who saw it happening, guess what they wanted to do? Hey, I want to bring a friend so I can go fishing. You know what we do today? We don't want to offend anybody, so everybody goes fishing when there ain't nobody fishing at all. Are you with me? You would say, well, I don't believe in rewarding kids for memorizing Scripture. I'd rather reward kids for memorizing Scripture than the lyrics to some song they're listening to on the radio because the Bible says the Word of God will not come back void. You plant that into the heart of a kid, I'm telling you, you might have a prodigal son running this morning or a prodigal daughter, you hang in there. You keep praying. You keep looking. I told somebody recently, I don't want to be like the, the other brother. I want to be like the father waiting on them to come back. You know, we're prone to be like the other brother. We're prone to be like Balaam. Give me another answer. Give me another answer. Give me, give me something else. I need more. I need more. False teaching always comes up empty. Now, why do we pray for every Bible preaching church in the morning when we don't know who they are? Because the word of God, if you're preaching the truth, will not come back void. Folks, there are people preaching the gospel this morning in places where you cannot name the name of Christ, and if you're found out, you could be killed or imprisoned. And here we sit in a comfortable building, and we get aggravated if it's too cold or too hot. Anybody want to say amen? The good news this morning is, the truth of the Word of God always brings fruit. I'm, I'm just, I'm naive enough to believe 
that if you get up here and open the Word of God and read it and pray, God can do whatever He wants to do. Because He doesn't, and you're saying, oh, Brother Greg, we, we hear a donkey preach every Sunday. Well, folks, listen to me. God uses us for some reason. He uses you. He uses you. And if, a, if he can get a donkey to speak, he can use you and me for his glory. Okay, we're done. Number six. When you look at the end of the chapter, verse 21 says, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy command delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. There is a passage of Scripture that for me is, is hard to interpret. It's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4, that says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and having tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, it is impossible if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Number six. True believers don't just walk away from God. You don't live a life that says, I'm in, I'm out. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you surrender. Hands go up, I'm yours. Now, am I saying that we don't make any mistakes? Let's just get honest this morning, okay? This is good therapy for everybody right here, right now. If you've messed up this week, say amen. Amen. Oh, we get discouraged. It was an early service. The wife went in. The husband wasn't ready for church. She said, get up, get up. We got to get ready. He said, I'm not going. She went back in a little later. He hadn't moved. Get up. Anybody live this this morning? Get up. Let's go. I'm not doing it. She said, you give me one reason why you don't want to go to church this morning. He laid there, no response. And then finally, from under the cover, he said, you give me one good reason why I need to go down there. She said, you're the pastor. You preach at 830. Folks, listen. There comes a time when you recognize that in this fragile life, you're going to mess up. Here's the difference. You don't quit. You don't quit. You weren't saved by anything you did. You're saved by the grace of God. Quit worrying that the Christian life is a bunch of checks that you make and that you have more checks pluses today than you do negatives, and you must be okay. I'm not going to heaven that way. You know, when uh, I, I don't think I did it on the prayer chain. I may have, but... When I shared with some folks that Dorothy had passed away, I used the words, Dorothy slipped into heaven. And then I thought about that. Listen, you don't slip into heaven. 
You go to heaven because of Jesus Christ. You go boldly to the throne because of Jesus, amen? He's the one who's pleaded the case for us. And he'll continue to do that. And when you get home one day, when you breathe your last breath, and when you step into eternity, when you recognize your loved ones, when you're at the the throne, when you recognize this is heaven at last, it will be all because of Jesus and the fact that God used his words and some talking donkeys in your life to help you understand how much he loves you. Now, I want you to close your Bible, and I want you just to look at it. Okay, they're all shapes and sizes in here, different translations. Cody asked me, Brother Greg, uh, do you have a preference to, for me to preach out of when I come? I said, absolutely, New King James Version. He said, is there a certain way I want, you want me to look? I said, absolutely, wear a tie and a jacket. I'm getting him ready, folks. I'm getting him ready, amen? Hey, you know what a tragedy is? An unread Bible. You can tell me everybody's status from Facebook and Twitter news, but yet can't uh, quote the books of the Bible. It's time to lay something down and pick something back up. And the good news is this, this thing right here contains the truth. I'm not trying to sell you anything. You know those phone numbers you get that you don't recognize? I'm not picking that up. Okay? If you have a phone number that looks like a sales pitch, I'm sorry I've missed your call. I don't mean to. Leave me a message. But I've noticed that none of those guys want to have a personal relationship because they never leave a message. Right? Am I right? This, this Bible right here leaves a good message. That you can be saved in spite of yourself because of how much God loves us. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you know that you know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. I want you to praise the Lord where you're standing. Thank him for saving you. Can you think back to the time 